Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Zach trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. But Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cleveland Cavaliers got revenge against the Chicago Bulls before the Charlotte Hornets got revenge against the Cavs. The same Charlotte Hornets that just lost to the Chicago Bulls that the Cavs just beat the night before. And the the entire season of weirdness continues. Uh, the, the home and road struggles continue for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But we have so much good stuff to talk about. Uh, young players playing out of their minds lately. And I could not be more excited to have my co-host back today, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you for covering for me while I was out. Uh, though I was able to, you know, do a little video cut of the pod. I was not free to talk because I had a sleeping baby, and we were well past uh, uh, pod hours uh, in the Rodriguez <laughs> household. So thank you very much for your coverage um, and for and for your service as always. Uh, it was great pod with Jason. Uh, it is it is funny, you know, especially when I do sit out on a pod and we are talking to someone from a, who covers another team. Like, there's always something we can take away and connect to our current experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, where the Bulls are, the decisions they've made, and how that should inform the decisions we want the front office to make. It all is connected, you know? Like, team build, like it's just funny because no team is really that far off uh, in terms of, like, you know, comparable situations. So it, it was a really, really fun listen, and I appreciated you covering without me. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, and I, I think what you're pointing out is a good thing, which is basically the intention of when we have guests on and people that cover other teams is we we try to let people know how there's similarities between teams, get a better appreciation for what's going on, and, and especially in, in a year like this year where the Cavs are now five games out of the play-in spot, uh, unlikely uh, to, to get that. There's always kind of parallels and things that we can learn from other teams. And and I think that that's something that we always try to do because when you're in this kind of limbo spot where now we're kind of waiting for next year, um, you want to find other things to talk about, other angles to analyze this team. And sometimes that the lens that a, a 
fan of an, another team can provide is really valuable. But because you weren't here, we, we got a pretty big stretch of games where we haven't got any Carter takes uh, recently. So I, I want to get your thoughts on kind of how the Cavs have played over the last week, just because I haven't talked to you a whole lot, uh, even off uh, podcast about what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the Darius thing is just getting more and more real, doesn't it? Um, you know, obviously, I think I, I, I'm in a weird spot with this team right now from the perspective of, on one hand, they're losing games. I really wish they would win. <laughs> you mm. know, like uh, I, I don't. I think they've lost a lot of games that I. You know, I remember early in the season we were kind of talking about, um, you know, games where we were saying kind of, you know, there there were games where the 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 Cavs fandom at large would say they are should win games and they were might win games. Mm-hmm. I think we've had quite a few should win games uh, as of late that have not turned into those. Um, you know, where, where I would say the Cavs should be favored, uh, especially, in, you know, given circumstances. And so they're losing. So that's frustrating. But I am seeing some really, really good stuff at an individual level, especially from Darius. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of in the middle ground. Where are you feeling? Yeah, I, I would describe them as could win games. Uh, I wouldn't say should just because when you're dealing with a, a team that is this young, uh, predicting any sort of consistency is difficult. But at the same time, the, the really interesting thing. Can, that's can, ha- can I push back real quick, though? Go ahead. I think a, if if you were to uh, press the players, they would say they were they were should win games. Well, I mean that should be their mentality. Like they they should believe that they are a playoff team that they should win these type of games. Anyone that's within kind of their weight class, they they should feel that way because approaching things with that mentality when you come up short it becomes instructive it it lets you know where you can improve there's always things that you can take away and that's always been why I've advocated for trying to go for the play and for trying to win every single game because as much as this team looks good when everything's clicking you're not going to get that consistently on a night-to-night basis but what I do find interesting about this recent stretch is the most consistent performers on the Cavs right now are the young guys Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, even Isaac Okoro is playing really well for his standards uh, on, on both ends of the floor. The defense is obviously, it's improving consistently. You you love what you're seeing out of Okoro on that end of the floor, but the offense, he's becoming a little more confident. Uh, Jared Allen, I, I thought that last game was a step in the right direction for him. Definitely, against- definitely. You're, you're still seeing just a little slower reaction time, especially on defense. The, the rotations are a little late. Um, he, he took uh, responsibility for the Cavs not um, getting defensive rebounds against Charlotte, which ultimately I think cost them the game. Um, but for the most part, he's performing better. But Kevin Love, Matthew Delvadova, uh, Larry Nance, those guys aren't performing at the standard that they're accustomed to. And you can see the frustration from those guys. But to me... The most important guys uh, for them to play well is the young core. And those guys are performing at a really high level. And that makes me really excited about the future. Yeah, I I think that's probably why I'm not as salty. You know, I did think they had a chance to really insert themselves into the play-in conversation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we can pretty safely say statistically it's going to be a real challenge at, yeah. at this at this stage like i i don't think uh you know i don't think that's any uh breaking news to say that you know this 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 team probably uh wasn't able to 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 make that push you know the the losses to uh to the you know the empty detroit team and, and the bulls just kind of made it 
a, a big challenge. So, you know, like, what are we looking for down the end of the stretch? I mean, that, that you know, when I was trying to think about kind of what this episode should be, it should really be what's worth valuing and what's not worth valuing mm-hmm. uh, as, as we kind of wrap here. And I think you're right. I do think it is in observing the young guys and kind of figuring out how they're doing. Like, obviously, Darius is starting to have a moment, I think, nationally. I think people are starting to notice. Uh, Zach Lowe mentioned him. Uh, Jackson Frank uh, has been doing a lot of really, really good work uh, talking about uh, his, his skill set. I think Sexton's been really, really good as of late. I feel oh like the goodness. jumper. I feel like the jumper is starting to get there again, and his off-ball cutting is still there. Um, you know, really, I, you know, I, not that you want to be the kind of person to pin losses on individuals, but you know, I really think the power forward position is really kind of letting the team down right now. Uh, you know, and and not necessarily through. You know, I, Larry's obviously still coming off of uh, off off of his uh, you know pretty severe illness, and Kevin's clearly still kind of finding his way back to you know consistent day to day game shape. Because mm-hmm. there are moments where Kevin like unlocks everything, yeah, uh, and then there are moments where Kevin looks stiff, and 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 if the jumper's not going, then it's just not worth it. You know, it, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. So you know, like. The fact that that's the case, you know, those are people I'm more likely to, to you know, kind of think are going to be reliable. So I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of find myself in no man's land here uh, with, with this team. But the so, the Darius, the Darius emergence um, is is sure a ni- it sure is a nice consolation prize to the, the play in race. Yeah, I was actually going to talk about Darius a little later in the podcast, but I, I think we just got to do it on the front end. Um, he, he's a franchise point guard. The, the Cavs have drafted a star. Darius Garland is that star. He is the player that I thought he was going to be. He like I was hoping for steps towards this this season. And right now it looks like the breakout is occurring. He is the player that he was profiled to be in the draft. He is playing at a ridiculously high level. You look at his last nine games since that uh, his slow performance against Miami. And you're looking at 23 points per game, seven assists a game, uh, true shooting percentage of 62%. And he's doing that while Sexton is averaging 27 and four over that stretch. This is, this isn't, this is significant. What Darius Garland is doing right now is significant. What Sexton's doing is significant. And I, I think people got to get on the bandwagon now because getting a player that is special like Darius Garland is a huge deal for a franchise. Now, people might argue, well, is he good enough to be the best player on a championship team? There are those arguments about Damian Lillard. Darius Garland is good enough to elevate this team to a consistent playoff team that is interesting, that is fun to watch, because that's what franchise point guards do in this league. You can have arguments about uh, other positions and whether or not a guard can be the best player to win on a championship team, but I have to believe that this team is going to be rounding the corner because he is that kind of special. And and I am just thrilled to see that it is actually materializing at this point. So what I'd like to kind of just ask is like, do we think that this is for sure, you know, happening? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. like, like if we were to kind of evaluate his, his, his recent run, which is now going a month strong, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know how much of that is sustainable and what is encouraging and i i I get myself in trouble with this all the time just saying that good stuff is sustainable and bad stuff isn't but like you know like i I look at what he's doing and really it's he's not finishing at a crazy high rate 
Um, he's I mean, he's definitely I feel like figured out better angles that are have a higher degree of success around the rim. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like for example, like not as many crazy English finishes that are you know that you know he he ain't quite Kyrie. Let's just say that much in terms of yeah. you know putting spin on the ball on the way up on attacking uh, the the basket. But like it feels like he's kind of getting his layups off like just like a little bit earlier, but not quite in floater range where mm -hmm. before the defense really is, is in his grill, he's able to kind of just gently kiss it off the, off the backboard. So I feel like that's, that is just progression as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, and then really it's, it's the, he's taking a lot of threes and he's making them, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's taking, and, he's taking seven threes a game, uh, over this nine game stretch where, where he's playing really well. And I love the comment. I don't know if you saw this JB Bickerstaff said after the game that he is trying to get Garland to take eight to 10 threes a game, that, that, that is kind of the, the goal that he's setting for him. And to me, like that is, that's, that's where you look at this and say, is it sustainable? Yes. His shot profile can get better than it is right now. He, he has a really effective pull-up and he's still, even with him taking seven threes a game over this stretch, he is leaving threes on the table. There are still opportunities for him to take more shots that he, he's getting himself open, but because he's such a talented passer and he's a pass first player just by nature, he wants to get into the lane and cause the defense to react to him so he can create an opportunity for other guys. But he's starting to understand as his scoring's going up, his assist rate is going up and he's creating these opportunities by his assertiveness. And now that it's clicking, like that's what, that's the whole equation. That's what we were worrying about earlier in the season was it, does he have the mindset to unlock this aspect of the game? Cause the talent is there. So you, you ask if this is sustainable. I'm willing to bet on it. Like I, I, I think that this is absolutely sustainable, and that he can improve from here as he gets stronger, as he becomes more mature. Uh, I, I think the sky's the limit for him as a point guard. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, I, I don't know about the sky being the limit. You know, I, I think that he, like, he still profiles as a very good point starting point guard. I don't know if he profiles as an uber elite point guard at the top end. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but like the thing is. And this is, you know, to your point, and maybe we're strawmanning a little bit or, you know, we're, we're arguing against an argument that's not being made yet. Like, no one's here saying Darius isn't a champ. You know, Darius can't be the best player on a championship team. Like, we're not having those arguments yet, but mm -hmm. I'm sure we will. And, like, my point has always been regarding this. Like, just get good players and be good. Be as yeah. good as you can. And, like, we'll, we'll figure out if you can win a championship later. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like, ultimately like i i'm just really really encouraged i mean the control of the game is really really there in terms of kind of like you feel him on every play and i remember we said that last year it's just like he's good at the little stuff but he's just not there's no impact yeah and like this year it just feels like you feel him every time he's out there and then every time he's not out there and that might be also a byproduct of our backup point guard play right now but like you know like ultimately it's like Darius like really makes you kind of feel his impact out there and, and everything seems to, to, to kind of slot into place, mm -hmm. including as we've mentioned for Colin Sexton, who is just feasting right now as an off ball guard. Yeah. He's absolutely feasting and both with Darius and with Delhi. Like I, I have to correct something that I tweeted out the other day because I, I had tweeted that Delhi's always been a plus minus God. And this year he hasn't been that. 
I pulled up the numbers because I, I was looking to kind of back that statement. And <laughs> Delhi and Sexton have a 117.1 offensive rating when they're on the floor together. And that feels impossible. <laughs> That's, I, you know, Zach Lowe mentioned uh, in his uh, his 10 things column that it might be time to to move move Delhi off the rotation. I, I don't agree. I really don't. Dude, that, that was actually going to be in my show notes. That was going to be in my show notes that, hey, I want to see some point jetty. Maybe start with Delhi, but if things aren't clicking in the second half, get uh, jetty a few more touches. Try to run that out. I know people aren't going to like that, but that was kind of my thought. And then I go and I try to look up the numbers to, to kind of get some statistical backing for this. And that duo has been more effective. And even though Delhi isn't playing well, Sexton is playing so well alongside him that it's lifting up that lineup. Like they, they only have a negative 1.9 net rating together. And like here's my thing. Here's my thing on the Delhi front. Mm-hmm. The the reality of the situation is Delhi is is not currently good enough to be the team's backup point guard of the of the long term. Yeah, I think we all know this. I think I think if this front office isn't looking hard at a very very capable playmaker, get you into your offense backup point guard this offseason, I think they're making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, Delhi out there at backup point guard, as compared to any other options on the roster, whether it's Damian Dodson when healthy, Point Jetty, um, going uber big with these Dean Wade, uh, Larry Nance at the three lineups. So which can, I love, by you, the way. Which I love, but you but you can kind of shift everyone down in those. When Delhi's out there, the offense looks closer to what I think an offense this team's offense should look like. Because mm-hmm. he gets the he's a ball mover. He gets the team into their sets appropriately. The the dumbest play in NBA history, which is Colin Sexton in the corner, flashes out and then cuts in. And no, no, like kind of a screen is set, but Delhi finds him for a layup every single time. <laughs> like you know, it's it's a nothing play, but just by having a, a real point guard that can that can read and hit hit players in time and on target. Um, like I, I'm not saying Delhi is a superstar. Right? I'm not saying he's even a good backup point guard. But for this roster and what they have constructed, I don't see a better alternative mm-hmm. uh, to to play right now. It's not like you have you know like let's say Dylan Windler or was was available, and you can say, hey, we can we can just upsize, but and we'll get extra shooting with Dylan. Yeah. You know what? You don't have that. Uh, you don't have Torian Prince, so you can either play Lamar Stevens, who is a power forward and slot everything down to, to accommodate that. Or you can just play Delhi, who's who play, who gets your best scorer <laughs> in a position to succeed pretty consistently. Uh, in as, and we know it doesn't work that well. If Colin doesn't have someone to get him in, in a position to succeed consistently. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, we have a pretty significant sample size of Sexton with the bench. Cause Sexton plays, all those backup two minutes. Yeah. He plays all those bench minutes. We, we know how much that lineup has struggled it, in the it, past. It stagnates. So, you know, like, obviously, like, as we've said 500,000 billion times, the ultimate panacea for this team's offense in the long term is a big playmaking wing because then you can still play Sexton at backup one mm-hmm. and have someone else still run the offense. Until that happens, I'm sorry. You got to play Delhi, and like I, I think JB agrees because Delhi is pretty firmly in this rotation right now. And I and 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 you know it's funny because uh, Low and I don't know if Low meant this, so uh, you know I'm I'm 
doing a little speculating, but he kind of mentioned that Delhi has like championship cachet in mm-hmm. Cleveland. And like, I don't think JB cares about that. You I know, like JB that. wasn't on this team uh, when they won a title. So like, I think JB is just like, I, I got a guy who can run some offense. Mm-hmm. He's going to get to play. And the funny thing is, and this is kind of a trend I've noticed throughout the season, but there have been things that I've thought. So as an example, let's play some point jetty because when you're looking at Delhi, he is not a threat to score right now. It seems now that he's kind of firmly in the rotation and there's once again, some film on him teams are kind of helping off of him and, and not treating him as seriously, but the lineup data supports that this is something that that's working like that. The offense is working. It's elevating Sexton, which I think is the most important thing with those bench minutes is you want to have someone that gets Sexton going because he's going to, elevate that right you you know that Darius can make it work with the starters when Sexton subs out at the start that is a rotation that's working really well and even like the the lineup data always seems to support the decisions that are being made even people that have called for Okoro and Prince to start for example because hey uh, we have two small guards that are being beat at the point of attack you look at the lineup data Garland Okoro and Prince has a worse defensive rating than Garland Sexton and Okoro like everything seems to line up and there's things that seem intuitive and they sound smart, but when you actually do the investigation of what those lineups have been, it it does seem like this coaching staff is following what statistically makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned like, and and like, that's why, like, and I'm starting to see maybe some grumbles about JB among a certain sects of the fan base. Yeah. And I think it's just, I just think they're bummed that they're not winning as enough uh, or as much as they thought they would. Right, and, and um, that's you know and, that's like, that's listen, normal. Co- right, co- coach is always the easiest thing, especially when um you know when your young players are putting up numbers like Garland and Sexton, and you're still losing. So it's like, so what must be the problem? Mm-hmm. So it's it's either Kevin Love gets gets a lot of hell yeah. or the coaching staff gets a lot of hell. And like you know like ultimately the reason I'm still on JB is. Everyone loves him. I think. I think they. I think someone mentioned recently that Torian Prince said JB was the best coach he's ever had. Wow. That guy's bounced around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and maybe I'm maybe I'm misquoting. I you know don't don't don't. Uh, I missed that it. one, so I can't support Not, you. You, you I, might I just be I, lying through your teeth I, right now. I believe it was an Angel Gray tidbit on the broadcast, but my uh, any early broadcast calves, I'm listening in kind of one in, one ear because I'm also chasing Millie around at that point. Um, but you know. Uh, like players seem to love him. And then the stuff that the Cavs don't do that bum me out, they know it and are working on it. You know, like, like I don't think it would be fair for us to throw the hissy fits. We were throwing about the three point attempts early in the year and not note that not only has it happened way at a way better uh, rate, but also that all the on record messaging from the coaching staff has been more, give us Mm -hmm. more. I mean, you just mentioned JB, pointing to the fact that he wants uh, Darius taking eight to 10 a game. And he he's said earlier in the year that he wants Sexton to take seven. Yeah. So like, I don't know, man, I, I feel like, I feel like stuff is, is, is pushing in the right direction here. And like, we just have to be okay with inconsistency because this is a team that, by the way, like they're going to lose games when they have one healthy wing that they trust. Yeah. One, yeah. they have exactly one healthy wing that they trust and he's tw- and he's 20 years old. Honestly, this feels like a more macro example of what I was talking about last year where the flashes from Garland made me think, "Hey, 
once his athleticism comes back, once he's had an offseason of training and he gets his strength up, it's going to unlock things. He's going to be able to get where he wants to on the floor and he can create for himself and others. That's what I'm seeing with the Cavs right now. Like, I, I think that there's good process there. Uh, Larry, like, it's funny looking at Larry. Like, he's clearly f- really frustrated with himself because his body just can't do the things he's used to as he tries to get back into shape. Uh, but even like Kevin Love, you can tell he's frustrated because he knows he can contribute at a higher level. But even his mere presence out there is making a huge difference. You look at since he came back, and this is really convenient because his first game back was April 1st. So you look at the month of April, the Cavs currently have a 111.50 rating in April. That's really good. Since uh, he came back in April, 39.4% of the Cavs attempts are coming from behind the arc. The process is there. They are doing the right things. The results just aren't there yet. And, And it just gives me reason to believe that this group of really hardworking guys, because Garland, Sexton, and Okoro are getting better throughout the season, and that isn't true of every player. You, most of these guys need off-seasons. It is clear that from a film study and from a, a workout and training standpoint, these guys are dedicating themselves to their craft. You have to imagine that after an off-season, after the talent increases, these guys get a little bit older, which isn't a sexy thing to say that it's all trending in the right idea that uh, in the right direction that they have a, the right idea of what needs to be done and, and that gives me confidence like uh, I, I wasn't meaning to straw man earlier when I w- was saying uh, whether or not Garland could be the best player on a, a championship team because that's it's not an argument I, I'm seeing but at the same time I've been someone that consistently believes that a guard can't be that player but that doesn't matter because the Cavs drafted fifth they drafted eighth when it was Sexton. They drafted fifth when it was Okoro. There's nobody I'm pulling my hair out uh, about for the most part here that they could have taken in those spots. Like, yes, Shea would have been nice, but there's a bunch of context there. I, I probably take Shea second overall in a redraft, but Sexton has far exceeded my expectations, and there's so much reason to be excited about him. And he's got this connection with the team. He, he's He's a believer in J.B. Bickerstaff. Him and Garland get along incredibly well. They're wearing the same damn shoes every single game. He's close with Okoro. Like, it really does feel like there's something special with this young group and the way they connect with one another. Yeah, and, you know, ultimately, again, just keeping going back to the fact that they're not winning games that we were hoping they would win when they got healthy, I think you said something really smart when you said, you know, I don't think they were as healthy as they thought they were, you know? Um, and through no fault of their own, I mean, Kevin is obviously not ready to con- consistently contribute at a high level every night mm-hmm. uh, physically. Um, I don't know when that's going to come back, but it, it's not there right now. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett is averaging, uh, in, in the month of April since he came back, he's averaging half a block a game. Uh, yeah. This is a dude who averages two blocks a game uh, consistently uh, mm-hmm. and, and is one of the best help defenders in the league. Not really there right now. Um, you know, Larry, I think is, is having a really, really rough time, uh, from the field right now, mm-hmm. um, uh, as a scorer and, and is not as impactful as he normally is defensively. So, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I just think like the, the kids are all right. And, and while that's the case, it, it, it's really hard to get too worked up. It, it really is. And like, I'm already kind of shifting to the point after they lost the game to Detroit, 
there was a mental shift for me where I'm back into I'm just watching play by play. I'm I'm barely even like I'm keeping track of the score, obviously, because I'm watching a live game. But for the most part, like I just want to see possession by possession or guys getting better. If they make a mistake, how do they bounce back from that? And the really refreshing thing for me is. Carter, we usually, like, that's week two of the season that we have to make this adjustment on the podcast. The fact yeah. that they were in it for this long. That... I mean, and that also, I let us let me quickly devil's advocate. There didn't used to be a play-in tournament. Right. Either. There didn't used to be a play-in, and you look at the teams that are struggling, like Toronto, Washington, all these good teams. Like, it's just such a weird year. So, like, whatever the reasoning for it, whatever the reasoning is, I'm still grateful that that's been the case because this is just this these games are so important to the development like i just i really strongly believe that having this stretch competing against these teams that are really trying to win is great for them and even looking at the next two games against washington and, and toronto that's prime development opportunity though you get to play spoiler against teams that really really want to win and it's as i've said before that's the closest thing to a playoff atmosphere that a lot of these guys have had and I just think it's really important when you want to take that step forward next season that you maximize every single one of these minutes. And I, I'm i interested to see how J.B. Bickerstaff approaches this and the rest of the coaching staff because it is natural for guys to to feel a little discouraged, to, to feel bummed out uh, that they're outside that playing spot. But the consistent effort that we've seen out of this team, the, the buy-in that we've seen throughout this season – is a really, really good sign because they are clearly focused on the process and not letting the results get them down because there are so many stretches this season that would have broke this team in the past, and we're just not seeing that. Well, and here's the thing. You you can honestly kind of just take it even beyond... The, the the kind of the nebulous, uh, you know, should they, should they, you know, let's see if they'll keep trying kind of uh, energy and then to like... You know, are they incentivized to keep trying? You know, like you you look at the current uh, lotto odds right now, and the Cavs are pretty firmly in that sixth spot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because frankly, even if they tr- were to kind of shut it down, I find it very unlikely that they jump higher than Houston, Minnesota, Detroit, or Orlando uh, in in the standings. And OKC is kind of intentionally free-falling um you don't you don't have to whisper that they shut yeah, down al yeah. horford uh yeah, yeah. they took okay. a crowbar to my boy shea gilgis alexander they massacred my boy lou dort uh goes off for 40 plus points and they say that his shoulder's hurting I, this joke i'm going to steal it uh i think it was the hoop collected that said it but they could have at least done us the courtesy and said it was his shooting shoulder that was sore after the game because th- that would have been hilarious <laughs> lou dort goes for 42 and his arm falls off like that that would have been great i i, I hope it was so- hoop collected and I'm crediting the right spot, but overall, like I, I think your so, point. So you're so you're not catching these teams uh, in in the odds uh, to try to go get a better pick. Mm-hmm. And, and, then and Sacramento the plays side, OKC yeah. three times. Exactly. I was about to get there. You you beat me to the punch, and I think it was actually your tidbit. So I was just going to steal your crap anyway. Yeah. Um. But you know, you look at Sacramento, uh, Toronto, uh, Chicago, desperately trying to win games. Yeah. Uh and it in Sacramento is probably the only one that isn't in that field. And again, they're playing a team that is actively, you know, trying to lose on purpose three times. Mm-hmm. So with only three weeks left in the season, I want to say it's thirteen games left. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It, you're pretty much where you're gonna be. So if I'm the Cavs and I'm the coaching staff, I'm gonna say, listen, guys, 
everyone that is worth you know that that is worth uh you know a, a damn in this organization is around for the long time we actually are finally at the point where we don't have a bunch of transient players that are just getting ready to move on to their next team mm-hmm. like like let's just run through it real quick darius around for the you know ideally for the le- ne- next se- several years mm-hmm. colin uh, about to hit an extension year but very much incentivized to play well isaac incentivized to to, to keep growing kevin locked in uh jarrett looking down the barrel of a big old payday to stay with this team yeah even on the bench dean wade locked in lamar stevens locked in Hart- uh, hardenstein Matt- playing for a contract Hart- hardenstein playing for a contract like everyone's incentive should still be to play well and i think the Cavs would be you know are well served to know that you know they can like this roster can kind of know that like hey we can try to win as many games as we want down the stretch mm-hmm. like there is no there should be no you know uh organizational uh hand looking down on them saying hey guys maybe start shutting that down you know like because they're kind of where they are you know i don't think you're gonna out tank okay see even if you try so just just play the best you can the rest of the way so you can because this whole course coming back next year so if that is the case get as you know much as many reps as you need to be the best team you can be next year because Next year, I think we're both very uh, of the opinion that they really need to be aiming for a playoff spot. Yeah, I, I think they're getting it. Like, I, I don't care where they draft. I, I think where they draft is going to determine kind of what maybe the potential ceiling is. Like, I I now feel like they have a franchise point guard and a franchise center. And Colin Sexton is playing like an all-star. So you, you add another star to that mix or a potential star that might raise kind of your ceiling as a team. But like even looking through, like I, I've now started diving into reading scouting reports and watching film on these guys. Like even if you're picking later, like there's a lot of really good options that address a lot of needs in this draft deep into and this hi- draft. Hi- highly recommend people, uh, if you're if you're tuning into this one, go back and listen to our podcast with Kevin O'Connor where we talked about the young core and how a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of players both in the top tier and even in the second and third tiers of this draft could really, really help the Cavs. I'm Justin. I know you've got Scotty Barnes fever. Oh my God! <laughs> this has been my Scotty Barnes week. Uh, last week I was watching a lot on Moody. This week has been Barnes, and my God, like just imagining a forward tandem of him and Okoro just like shutting people's water off uh, gets me so damn excited. But I, I just think that after last season and the way that it was cut short unexpectedly, this team knows what they lost. They know what they lost in terms of developmental minutes and. Like, you got really competitive guys that want to consistently get better. Uh, you see even play-to-play. Like, when Garland makes a mistake, he's, like, he laughs it off. But at the same time, like, you can tell he's getting a little annoyed with himself. He tries to pull off something else the next time down the floor. Like, these guys are self-motivated. And that is just, like, it's a great job by the team identifying these type of guys. But I, I think you, your point is accurate. Like, I, I think you're on the money here that they're incentivized to just focus on development to keep trying down the stretch. And I hope that that's the case because there's only 13 games left, man. Like I'm going to be really bummed out when we don't have Cavs games to talk about when I don't have Cavs games to watch. So I want every single one of these to count because two of those 13 are in the next two days. Like that sucks. I'm not ready for this to be over, man, especially with how exciting these young guys are, are, are playing. Like, Garland and Sexton right now I just don't think you can overstate how significant what they're doing is 
And credit to uh, our friend of the podcast, Evan Damerall, uh, Locked On Cast. Make sure you guys are checking out and supporting them. Um, he, he tweeted out last night that he's talked to people around the league that uh, said, hey, if Darius Garland played a full season at Vanderbilt, he would have been in contention for number two overall. Like he would have been right there giving John Morant a run for his money. And you may have a preference between John Garland. Uh, but I, I think that it's almost a safe bet that that's actually going to be a conversation moving forward, that that is going to be a debate. He is at that level. And that's the most important thing because a, a franchise point guard, a star point guard raises your floor. You, you can talk about if it gets you over the hump, but it is one of the most essential things because there is so much talent in the league when it comes at the point guard position. But those all-star caliber guys, which Garland is, uh, they they just make such a huge difference. It's the tide that raises all the boats on a roster. Yeah, and I will say this. Uh, you know, I think there will be some skepticism because there are point guards who put up numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, our uh, dear uh, friend of the pod, uh, Cody, in our Discord who is a Lakers fan that likes to uh, rankle our uh, our sensibilities, we'll, we'll make D'Angelo Russell comparison jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, and it is a good point from the perspective of, like, you can put up 20 and 6, 20 and 5 in, in, as, as a guard in this league. You know, it's converting it into winning plays. And, you know, it was I was actually just thinking about this from the perspective of, I don't know if you read Lowe's 10 Things uh, article. Um mm-hmm. And he talked about kind of the magic of Steph Curry and, um, you know, the way Steph uh, can kind of like fake people into wide open transition threes just by selling with body language and stuff. And it it was just a really strong reminder to me of how much of being a good basketball player doesn't actually reside in skill set because a lot of players are really, really good at the skills that are good shooters, passers, dribblers. Um, finishers so much of going from a a good player to an elite player is in those little you know intangible manipulations of the defense and that is where i really think the biggest difference between the Cavs and 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 good teams you know is they got a bunch of kids who haven't mastered all those little tricky things yet because you look at the skill sets they're mostly pretty good um like like the skill sets are pretty close to what you want uh, and you know those the archetypes that you're seeing here have have all been successful, but it's 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 when we're talking about what the, gets this team to the next level, it is the craft, it is the guile, it is the stuff that comes with age and experience, and being a smart player. Mm-hmm. Now, not everyone gets there. Not everyone develops that kind of guile. Like there, there's a re- not every point guard does what Steph does for a reason, right? And it's not just <laughs> that he's a an alien superhero, but like that he's he's a basketball genius and there are only so many of those but did, did it's, disney it's, and marvel call pay you to uh call him an alien superhero because now uh, they're uh, doing a little crossover no no but i love that i love i love a good uh monkey see monkey do uh tv copycat uh after the uh, nfl nickelodeon uh broadcast uh that that's the producer and me uh seeing seeing the boardroom conversation happening oh that was huge we gotta go ask <laughs> one of those yeah. We'll but just anyway, do it bigger. The the Avengers. People love it. Zion, Zion will be Hulk. Steph will be Hawkeye. It'll be great. Just just no thought. Just oh, oh well, give me one of those. That 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 is I tell I'm telling you, millions of dollars are gonna be spent because someone said give me one of those. Yeah. Uh, at, <laughs> at at the sea level at Disney. Um but ultimately, like, you know, that's 
getting back to kind of our larger point, like that that is the difference for this team. Like I think the skill sets are there. I think the archetypes are there. It's like now let's convert this into wins. Mm-hmm. And that comes with age, that comes with experience. I think we're starting to see it. Um, and that's kind of what I'm going to be more than looking at, like, that's why you should be watching the Cavs down the stretch, in my opinion, is, is because box score hunting at this point, you know, box score analysis, I don't think does much for us, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of learning what this team is going to be doing. Uh, it's going to be all in the, the nitty gritty details of like, what, how, how is Darius manipulating the defense? How is Khan figuring out how to operate off ball? Um, how is Jarrett kind of communicating it and anchoring the defense? Like that's what I'm looking for as the season winds down is because again, like it's all about converting box score production into, into, into wins. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And what gets me excited is with Garland playing at this level, like with him elevating his play. Now you're starting to see teams react differently. Like you play Miami, they put Jimmy Butler on him. You're seeing more and more wings go on him. So the fact that this is now kind of becoming the baseline for his play, I just feel like that gives him such a better idea of what to work on in the offseason and and like how to refine his skill set from here versus if he was working from kind of his season averages of being kind of that 18 and 6 guy or or 17 and 6 guy, right? Like you just you get a different level of attention you can learn how people are taking things away from you and you can develop counters from there and that just makes me more optimistic about the level he can get to by next offseason because you know like you, you see the offseason videos he's training with clutch he's training with ben simmons he's training with all these guys he's working out with lebron uh sexton is doing his workouts with chris paul like these guys have the right mentors chris paul Dwayne wade for sexton like you love to see that but them stepping forward and taking that post all-star break uh surge that we've talked about many times before I just think that that really sets them up well for success next year. And you're right. Maybe I am getting a little carried away for uh, with Garland. But as you mentioned, he's having a little bit of a moment nationally. Uh, people are starting to recognize kind of what the ceiling is, what the Cavs have built here. And as the conductor of the Garland train, I have to step up, man. Like, I, I now you must, have to. You must generate the hype because I, other people I, will take your place if you're not careful. I, I have to puff out my chest a little bit. Now, now that I'm feeling a little more comfortable unleashing some of those takes that have been brewing for a while this garland train like i I gotta keep it going man it's like when a younger player started kind of coming up to lebron and it's oh is there going to be a passing of the torch and he just snuffs that out that that's what i'm doing right now with garland and and all the supporters that are coming out i welcome anybody there is tons of room on garland island still you guys can come on board but i'm going to continue to be the conductor of this train and and ride it ride it into the future because it it is a beautiful future that uh, the Cavs have ahead of them yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty encouraging. And, you know, again, like this is, it, it's funny because so many people do not feel the way we feel. <laughs> you know, there are people who are just down on, yeah. on this team. But like, you know, I I, I remember what it was like post-decision 1.0. I, I remember. And this ain't even, that. even at the, even at the best uh, stretches, I couldn't, it didn't feel like we had a a, a real direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, at least, and it always felt like the good stuff was these weird, uh, random occur. It was it was Kyrie, and then it was r- weird random occurrences that yeah. weren't indicative of anything. It was that weird bench lineup with Luke Walton that, for some <laughs> reason, was blowing teams out of the water. It was, 
a Kyrie Spencer Haas pick and pop that finally looked like real offense for the first time in in years. It doesn't feel like that that here in Cleveland uh, mm-hmm. this time around. It feels like the larger direction um, is um, is positive, and that's why you know that's why you don't uh, why you kind of have to roll with 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 uh, some bumps, you know. And, you know, again, I, I see Kelly in the chat saying, you know, Cavs roster is nasty. We got this chemistry that that's off. That's why we should get rid of JB. And it's like, listen, the chemistry is fine. They really like each other. They're, they're just kids. Mm-hmm. They're kids and kids aren't winners in the NBA historically. Give yeah. it some time. And, and, and I know that telling the fan base, wait, just wait, just wait is not the most exciting piece of information. It's, I think everyone, it's also not a, it's every, not a sexy message in, in Cleveland, right? Like this is no, like no waiting for next year. Like that, that has been waiting I for think, next year for as long as I've uh, been a Cavs fan like that. That has always kind of been the mindset. So I understand it. I like I also understand. I, let like, me let me let me just say this. Go ahead. Not every problem can be fixed by a transaction. Yeah. Uh, at least a transaction that is available to you at that time. Sometimes you just gotta wait. Um, and and I understand that uh, that that is not sexy. I understand that uh, you know uh, it, it it would be it some different is always has the mystery box appeal, right? Change always has the mystery box appeal. But like, look at the macro. Look at look at the trends. I think things are trending up, and as a result, I, I am I am excited to stay the course and see kind of where this team takes it yeah i i agree and like looking at comparing it to year three after the decision one they had more assets that time around like they, way they had, more they had way more things, to work with things went way better for them <laughs> and, and, and it's so funny like because I've, I've seen a, a couple people kind of had the sentiment of well when can we expect winning and when can we expect things to turn around how frequently did you see if the Cavs win a championship, if Cleveland wins a championship, I'm fine with 10, 20 years of losing. No, the the cupboard went absolutely bare. They went all in as an organization to build around LeBron and give themselves as good of a chance as possible. And it worked. And it, it worked. You got a championship. And now you're three years away. And there's four young guys that you can get really excited about. Like Dylan Windler right now, obviously massive setback uh, with that surgery. Uh, you're disappointed about that. But the high picks, it looks like they hit on those guys. At the very least, those guys are not bust. They're going to be uh, productive NBA players. But you you look at year three after the decision, there like the split in the fan base. Half the fan base wanted to trade Kyrie and, and build around Dion and Anthony Bennett. Uh, I, I was on the <laughs> I, I was on the Kyrie and Tristan train, even though everyone was sick of Tristan at that point of time. Like there, there was no real belief in him. This is a totally different thing. We have four guys that we know fit well together. They play well together. They get along really well. And you're going into a loaded draft, not a bad draft like the Anthony Bennett draft, where there's a whole lot of guys that theoretically fit really well with what the Cavs have. And again, the Cavs have not been like they were so lucky during that first rebuild and it still didn't go well. Mm -hmm. I think the inverse has happened in this rebuild. Uh, Like they've been fairly unlucky, unlucky. They've had bad health. Uh, transactional trends have veered away from the direction they went just as they went them. Uh, they, you know, obviously the K- the KPJ situation did not play out the way you would, they were, they were hoping, but, but it was a smart not, gamble. It was yeah, a smart yeah. gamble. I thought like it he was too. Fit so well like that. That's... Uh, yeah. 
So like they're making good gambles, just things have not broken in their favor yet. People hate, it's funny, we're doing the two things fans hate the most, which is we're saying, wait, be patient, and also you Process also over get, results. And you also have to get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> like It's like, not sexy. Like, it really here's isn't. the thing. Denver isn't the best organization in the world because they landed Nikola Jokic mm-hmm. at, in the second round. Like It's just, it's luck. There's some luck involved there. Like, really they took is. a chance. And, but, and, good, and you hope that good you hope that good process begets good luck, but it doesn't mean luck doesn't matter. So you know, ultimately, if the Cavs are really going to take an Uber leap, they're going to need to get lucky. Mm-hmm. We know that. But you know what? As long as they're trending in the right direction in the meantime, you know, I'll, I'm fine waiting because as we as I just said, good prog- process definitely helps beget good luck, even if it doesn't guarantee it. Right, and, and I have confidence in the the scouting and player development. Like the guys they bring in consistently get better. The the only real exceptions right now, Dylan Windler and KPJ, which those are circumstances that are not related to player development, right? Like Dylan Windler injuries, KPJ off court issues. Everybody they've brought in, including like they're scouting to identify a guy like Hardenstein, Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens. Like these are guys that have got into the organization and got better since they got there. And that gives me a level of confidence when you go into a good draft with guys that make sense. Like I I just think that it is trending in the right direction. I understand trepidation when it comes to, I have to see it before I believe it. But like, I honestly think, man, like I, I think there's enough reasons to objectively be excited about what this core is and what this team has going on. And like, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Like, that's what I was so excited to talk about, because with Garland looking like who I thought he was, I, I just feel like my read on this core has been right. And the signs are pointing towards really fun times around the corner. So I'm going to enjoy hey. this final stretch because I, it's I it's. I feel like this is going to be an era. I feel like this is going to be something that we look back on really fondly. And to me, there's no downside to buying in early. Like there's absolutely none having a little bit of faith and going along for the ride. And if this podcast exists for anything, it's so you can pat yourself on the back when you, when you feel like you've been right. Buddy, like when I'm right next year, when I'm right next year, I'm going to be so arrogant. It's going to be a miserable experience. You guys are going to be pining for some bad losses because, oh, I'm 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 just going to be. It's, it's going to be obnoxious. The, the I told you so down. <laughs> oh man, it's just around the corner. I can't wait. Uh, so I'm excited to see how they do against uh, Washington and Toronto. Uh, this season is going to wrap up in really short order and we will continue to try to provide the best coverage possible uh so i I think next podcast will be tuesday am i not am i mistaken carter uh i i didn't actually listen i got distracted what did you say (laughs) okay tuesday tuesday at 7 eastern will be our next podcast make sure you're oh you're asking that yeah tuesday yeah all right. See you then, guys. Make sure you guys are subscribing to the Cavs YouTube channel so that you don't miss us when we're going live or you can watch on demand. If you are either watching on demand or watching live, make sure you like and subscribe. It helps the algorithms and helps us do better. If you are listening on podcast, make sure you leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs.